and welcome to Sisters, Sabres, and Star Destroyers, a podcast where two sisters talk about and bond over all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Maddie. And I'm your host, Sam. And today we'll be sharing our Andor reactions. I am so excited for this episode. I am obsessed with this series right now. I'm absolutely in love. Like I'm beaming right now. Like I can't. (laughs) It's true. She is like her smile is so (laughs) wide. (laughs) I watched it the day it came out kind of in the evening so I watched it Wednesday evening I, I just couldn't wait till midnight and I sent Maddie a voice message <laughs> I was like you need to watch this show <laughs> yeah she did and she was like close to tears and she said no I wasn't close to tears to I was crying which we'll get into <laughs> why I was crying in a bit okay so Sam and I were talking and she broke it off into three categories that we're going to use to talk about the Andor show. Do you want to share those categories? Yeah. So I have it kind of into first impressions, story and character, and then production. And honestly, we're probably going to tangent anyway, but yeah, <laughs> we have a thing. And then Matt, and then I kind of want to talk about the first three episodes as one group. And then we'll also talk about episode four because yeah. um, at the time of recording, episode four has come out. So I think, yeah. and it's good because that's finally like more of the galaxy because epi- yes. the first three episodes are very centered on like Ferrex. So, all right. Without further ado, do you want to start us off, Sam? I think you should go first. <laughs> okay. So my first impressions. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. To be perfectly honest with y'all, <laughs> I was a bit distracted when I watched the first three episodes, uh, specifically the first two, I would say. And so I did not have this intense reaction to it. But then I let it sit. Wait, Maddie, you have to share what you were distracted with. I was binge watching this other show. And, you know, sometimes it's hard for me (laughs) to watch two things at once. And I was really into this other show. So I was not really, my full attention was not given to Andor. Do you want me to share the show, Sam? Is that what you're trying to get me to say? That is what I'm trying to get you to say. (laughs) Because, I mean, you can watch whatever you want. I just think it's funny. Fine. I was watching Full Metal Alchemist. I'm okay. not an anime person, so I have. <laughs> no. Anyway, so that's what was happening with me. And I finally, so I watched Andor a couple days after it came out. And my first impression was, well, I can tell this is really good, but it doesn't have my full attention. And then I thought about it for a couple days, probably three or four days. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually a really well done show down to the world the emotions portrayed dude uh, I was full on sobbing by the end of episode three and I don't normally cry in Star Wars the only other thing that has made me cry in Star Wars was the last episode of the Kenobi so- of the Kenobi show I so agree with that actually. I was full I, on actually, crying <laughs> I have cried twice in Star three. Wars okay episode six of the Kenobi show and the end of Return of the Jedi. Oh, well, the end of Return of the Jedi <laughs> gets me almost every time. Like, I get close every time, but I've never cried. Andor, like, the end of episode three, I don't know. I re- I've re-watched the first three episodes since they came out la- last week, and it made me cry again. So it wasn't just a weird emotion. I wasn't just in a weird emotional state at that time. Like, I think I genuinely, like, the show moved me to tears, which is yeah. like, a great sign. <laughs> so first impression is. was we both enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm obsessed. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about my first what do you impressions? Want to talk about next? My first impressions? Yeah, go for it. Because I have a lot of things to say. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I don't know if I, I think I, I was talking to someone about this 
doesn't even matter who, because no, no one is going to know. But um, I was saying how I haven't had that visceral and that intense of a reaction to Star Wars content in a really long time. Like for the first, I'd say honestly, three episodes, I'm um, just that whole chunk. My skin was like crawling. Like I was kind mm. of like uncomfortable, but like in a good way. I think that was and, the point. Like, like and I think it's because my first impression was this is so much darker than other Star Wars content. After the first scene, which kind of reminds me of like Blade Runner, Tron, you know, mm-hmm. kind of futuristic idea. Like I was automatically hooked on the show and the rest of it, I was watching it like in the dark late at night <laughs> with no, no lights on or anything. So it was just the computer screen and like headphones. So I was very like dialed in to it. Yes. And I just had this really intense feeling the whole time I was watching it. And I think this like tension built up and built up and built up. And the very end of episode three, cause you know, it's kind of this one, it's an arc. It's like Clone Wars. It's an arc within like a bigger story. By the end of that, I think I just like the tears just got all released. Yeah. Because it's that last scene of like the parallel in between Cassian when he was younger. So like Casa Aww. and then like Cassian yeah. of them getting taken off these two planets really just hit hit really hard. And I don't know why, but just the music in that scene and the lighting, because that lighting is very reminiscent of the end of Rogue One. So he was probably thinking about those two moments while he was dying on Scarif, which really... <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, what I wanted to say about the beginning, the first three episodes specifically, is that it was very gritty. It was very bleak. That was such a good idea to have that because this is the darkest point of the empire probably. Yeah, Uh, it's 15, it's five BBY, so. Yeah, there's no hope really anywhere where Rogue One has, there's hope in Rogue One. That's kind of an underlying uh, emotion of Rogue One. Rebellions are built on hope. Exactly. But the uh, show was so gritty and so dark and so bleak. It just portrayed exactly what the galaxy is probably feeling, not just Cassian, but everyone. Yeah. It felt very, Ferrix especially felt very depressed mining town, which, I mean, my my focus in like college and stuff is Empire. And I think this show is really showing mm-hmm. that real world perspective of what empires do to communities you see this on canary how it's this like massive this mining completely destroyed this planet poisonous gas all that and came in and just destroyed whatever life was going on there and then you see that on ferrix like everybody's life is just ruled by this industry of like propping up this larger empire that does almost nothing for them well what happened on canary wasn't even the empire it was the republic Um... i think so i'm so confused about I that thought it was and i think because i think the rest not that yo- like he's not i that did yo- the math because he said he was 16 when he fought on min bomb which by the way is the battle in solo and i really appreciated that easter egg <laughs> that's where solo fights before he like joins up with yeah. that crew but he said he was 16 on the battle of min bomb but that means that he's like 21 and diego luna's 42 so like i i feel like cassian's more like mid-30s and I looked on Wikipedia this morning to see what his age was, and they don't have his birth date. So I don't think anybody knows. Okay. Well, if let's say it was the Republic or Separatists or the Separatist Separatists logo. Oh, they were wearing, okay. They were wearing like the, the um, sign of like the, what is it? The Confederation of Independence. Oh, like the, it's the like, one that's like pre, the pre, I don't know, the Separatist symbol. That's what most okay. people on YouTube that I've been watching have been saying. Okay. I thought it was the Republic. My bad. Well, the that's Marvel's fault because she's like, the Republic is coming. It's like, oh, that's why. Okay, okay. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was also a nice touch because it just shows that pillaging planets has been happening 
for a long time. It's yeah. not only the Empire. And then the scene in the fourth episode where, oh, I do not remember her name, but the blonde with the braid. Vel. Vel. V-E-L. Yeah, I think. <laughs> Talks about how the people that lived in the hills had been pushed out by the Empire. So this theme of people being forced out of their home has been happening for a long time in Star yeah. Wars. That, especially on, um, oh, uh, Aldani, right? That's the name of the planet in episode four. Yeah. Um, that being pushed out of the Highlands into the Lowlands really reminds me of like the Scot the story of the Scottish Highlands with like the British oh, Empire. Yeah. They all like in the mid like 1700s, they all got pushed out and forced to these like towns for like industry and stuff. And so, I mean, it's just taking from real world empire, which is great. And I think yeah. that we haven't, we've seen the rebellion against the empire and we've seen a little bit of this in rebels like how it's affecting daily life and communities but we haven't fully seen that the resource side of it and how the empire is really just conforming all of these people to this industry but i also really like that the show is doing is um you know diego luna is he's a mexican actor right he's not european or like white american and when you think about the history of mexico and its relation to these European empires like Spain or empires, you know, like the United States. It's just, I just really like that touch that they're bringing some of that real world history into this show and doing that all the way down to race as well. Even though it it affects everybody in like the Star Wars empire, I think it's good to acknowledge real world stuff. Well, because I mean, it's fiction, right? But fiction often connects to real world. Yeah. I also just want to say who here would have guessed that Sam is a history major. <laughs> yes. Anyway, but yes, the history major, Sam. Yeah, focusing on empires, by the way. <laughs> yeah. That's my history focus is the British Empire. So Okay. So I really, I really liked the just how the show is tackling empires and how it just tears people down. And also we were talking in our last episode about sacrifice. And I have a whole point about how this show, it's only been four episodes, but you can already tell the amount of sacrifices that these people have had to make. And will have to make. And will have to make. People are going to die. I mean, we all know Cassian dies, but like people are going to (laughs) die. Oh my gosh. You know the line that I sent you? I sent, okay. I sent Sam a line. Uh, I took a video and it was like, you're going to end up dying. Like you're going to end up dying fighting these bastards or something. And I was like. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's what happens, unfortunately. Anyway, so everyone is making sacrifices. I have a few examples like Bix. She kind of sacrifices like her relationship for this rebellion to get, well, maybe not the rebellion, but to get Cassian. For Cassian, yeah. For Cassian to get him to safety. So she loses Tim, I think is his name. With two M's, by the way. Oh, Do you watch the subtitles or no? I do watch with subtitles. I also watch with subtitles, but I was like, Tim with two M's, Star Wars Tim. Star Wars Tim. <laughs> and then I just have this feeling that Marva has had a tragic past and she has <sighs> probably made so many sacrifices. And I'm very, very curious to learn more about her. I want, I want, to, want know. to see more. I think we need to move on to our character discussions. Oh, yes. I feel um, that as And well. let's just start with Marva because I have a lot to say for someone who had like how many minutes of screen time? five six first of all i I also like that actress but fiona shaw and petunia or also the therapist in fleabag or uh someone from killing eve so okay (laughs) anyway first of all i'm so impressed by her performance like her a little bit of screen time i'm just like it feels so real i love marva she 
I, she's just such this like kind motherly figure, even though like, I, I do think taking like Cassian off of Canari when he was unconscious, I don't know how I feel about that. Mm. Like I, what are your thoughts? Okay. I think the intentions were there. Okay. She didn't want, I have a theory and I don't know if it's based on any accurate thought. Okay. But I feel like she has lost a child at some point in her life. Maybe not her actual child, maybe like a figure that kind of represented a child to her. And I just, I don't know, the way she, that she just wanted to protect Cassian without really oh, even knowing so him. Oh, it's so sweet. It's so <sighs> sweet. And I feel like something has happened to her where she just got this protective urge. I don't think it was fantastic that she did it when he was unconscious. Um, well, because I, I have written here, um, she takes him from his family from his home world everything he knows he doesn't even speak um english which i guess is basic in the star wars universe but i do think that she is right in saying well they've killed this officer and the republic or separatist whoever the hell it is empire no idea is going to come in and like kill his people so if she probably did save him and i don't think he has any 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 animosity towards her just based on the way that they like were acting just like yeah towards each other like there's obviously a lot of affection both ways and I think Cassian has fully sees her as this like motherly figure and really cares for her so I don't think he's bitter about it speaking of um me Sam completely breaking down and sobbing in the end of episode three which was really surprising it's just like this look where Marva turns around as um now Cassian or Casa at the time is like waking up and just she just has such this look of like love and affection as she just turns around and smiles at him and it's just I there's something that really hits deep with me when it's people finding like family figures but it's more than just like found family it's really like parent-child relationships yeah and like Cassian really finding a home because his parents are his true parents are dead and he did leave his sister but I don't think he left his sister by choice. I think no, that was the whole thing of Marva taking him. And he's looking for a sister now. And I hope Marva has some more screen time. Oh, please. I need some <laughs> resolution. Like it kind of, they left it where like they could, they could, that could be their last interaction. Cause it's Cassian basically being like, I'm sorry with an undertone of like, I love you, but like, I'm sorry, but I want to see more of her. I just yeah. want her to be proud of her son, I guess. Like, oh my God. <laughs> And we've only had three episodes of this. And she wasn't even in the first one. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's enough discussion of Marva. I have some thoughts about Cassian. Ooh, do tell. Okay. They're they're not bad ones. I I actually like how they were portraying his arc and his character in the show. I I made an observation a couple days ago. And him in the start of the show is very similar to Jin at the start of Rogue One. Who is only trying to survive, does not care about like this higher purpose. He hates the Empire, but he's only really trying to survive and get by and everything. And I think Jin is very similar in the beginning of the rebellion, and maybe Cassian sees some of his former self in her um, during Rogue One, just like that only out for yourself trying to survive. And I thought that if that was intentional, that was a very nice touch. And if I'm totally reading into it, then my bad. Uh- I think that's similar just because that's such a common thing. Like before people are completely dedicated to this cause of rebellion, they're in, they start with that fighting against the empire, but for like self, you know, selfish reasons. So I think that's just a general theme. And they just portray Jin and Cassian are just both portraying that growth really well. I think more than that, like 
they're they were intending him to mirror Jin more like they just both are mirroring this greater story and typical character arc yeah I think that makes sense uh I just thought I just noticed that so I was like yeah bring it up (laughs) yeah I think that they did a really good job with coming back to Cassian after seeing the end of his character arc and how do you how do you like think about the beginning like you have to think about the beginning of this character arc and I think that the writers like Diego Luna like they all did a really good job of you can see the potential for what we know he is eventually going to be like Mm -hmm. you, you you can see like he's not fully there yet and I just that's so impressive to me I have no background in any sort of film or acting or like any of that but just thinking about doing that and it feels so real like I can tell that this is like a younger version even though it's six years after Rogue One came out it's really hard I think because Rogue One was such a good movie so I think it's really hard to try and elaborate on Cassian as a character and make it work together so I just applaud the writers for making it work yeah I'm on (laughs) I think a little bit later, I want to talk about just the production and like the actual making of this Yeah, because it, it deserves such a big shout out. But I think we need to talk a little bit more. Like, can you think of any other like Bix? I mean, there's so many good new character additions. Uh, can we talk about Mon Mothma, please? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm so focused on the first three episodes that I <laughs> forgot about her. Yeah, we can focus on Mon Mothma. I am super excited to see how she plays into the the show because she's such a she's a figure that's in everything about the rebellion like you see her but you don't really know her very well she just kind of shows up and so being able to kind of dive deeper into her character is something i'm looking forward to i'm also super excited to see coruscant during the empire and have we seen coruscant during the empire no i don't think we have in in media and like at least like visual media maybe in books but yeah maybe in books but i don't think we have and I'm like, that is so interesting because during the original era, you really only go to outer rim planets. Um, I think that was a bunch of things, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you know, it works. And so we've never actually seen what the Empire looks like at its capital of Coruscant. And so I'm very much looking forward to that. And especially seeing how the uh, Senate works now that it's yeah. the Empire. Oh, I am so intrigued. And it's finally like Genevieve O'Reilly, the actress, she finally like gets to really have a role because her scenes were deleted in Revenge of the Sith. She's in, she looks so different than she does in Rogue One, but it is, I think it is the same actress. And she finally gets to really play this character, as you were saying, and I'm excited. And already just, uh, she's, you can already tell she's so dedicated. Her also just her apartment, gorgeous. I want to live there. <laughs> just this like white like with the like trees like I think those are like cherry blossoms or I don't know some type of I just want to live there you know yeah. just this also just the difference of the opulence of Coruscant to like Ferrix or um Aldani yeah and even the Canari flashbacks yeah. what do you think about like the enemies so far and so you have um what's his name Cyril Karn who's the uh the kid that reminds the teacher there's homework is what I've labeled him <laughs> He so is that kid in class. <laughs> yes, that is a perfect way to describe him. Him, I felt like, kind of felt like an eh villain in the beginning. I think he's supposed to be. I don't know. I didn't really have that many thoughts about him. I do have thoughts about the lady in the Empire. That the- Deidre? Deidre, I think is her name. I don't know. Something like with like the, the blonde one. The blonde one with the bun. 
Um, oh, fantastic. I don't know who was in charge of casting, but like that was a great cast. She just looks so fits so well into like the, the look of the empire. I'm very intrigued by her. I feel like she has something, like, there's an underlying thing happening that we don't yeah, know Yeah, she's hiding something either. She's, like, secretly with the Rebellion. I don't think so. Or she's hiding something else, and I think it's just something else. Like, I'm not getting the Rebellion vibes from her. But we don't know. That's the beauty of it. We don't know. So we'll I, see. Yeah, I know. I The Coruscant stuff, I'm very intrigued by. And also, I'm also intrigued by where this, um, the storyline for this, like, heist is going to go with Cassian. Yeah. Just do some good old spy thrilling. But I'm most intrigued by the political stuff on Coruscant right now. Yeah. I'm also wondering if we're going to see any Organa in the show. He would be a really... Well, Mon Mothma says that there's a... When she's talking to Luthen, there's another person she wants to bring in. I thought it was Organa. And I, it might be Organa, but if... The thing is, I watched... There's the, a deleted scene in Wrench of the Sith that has Padme, Organa... And Mom Mothma basically starting this like seed of rebellion. And so I feel like if that deleted scene is canon, then Organa has been a part of this for a very long time and since the start. But I don't know who it might be. I was um, watching a video on YouTube this morning talking about it, saying maybe it's like Ahsoka because she, uh... but I just don't know. Like I feel like Ahsoka is from a different. So I have no idea who Mon Mothma is talking about. I feel like Organa is the obvious option, the obvious choice, but I feel like he would already be involved. I mean, it's only, it's five years. It's five BBY. Like it's not, it's pretty soon to win. Because in Star Wars Rebels. Is this before or after Star Wars Rebels? I think, oh, I don't remember if Star Wars Rebels starts in four BBY or five BBY, but Organa is in the fourth episode or the third episode. So rebels. But then there's the other question of another thing I liked about the show is showing the layers of the rebellion. Not everyone knows everything. And in so fact, we don't, most people don't know anything. Or yeah, know like and one so thing. we don't know what people know. Like, is Mon Mothma the highest person in the rebellion? I feel like Luthen is higher. He seems to be organizing a lot of stuff. Okay. Eventually, I think Mon Mothma is the highest. But I feel like Luthen Luthen's gonna die. He's not yeah. in anything else. He, yeah, so... I I'm know. very intrigued by him. Yeah, I'm all... Yes, that was another character I was like, hmm. He's so... I want to see what they do with you. We'll see. Because I can't tell, like, was he originally, like, this kind of rich aristocrat? Because he obviously has a lot of money and owns this like, historical artifact place. Was he originally that? And then he kind of, like, fell into the Empire because of a personal... Not an Empire. Against the Empire because of a personal experience or... Did he start kind of low and then work to get this more prestigious kind of role on Coruscant? I don't know. Which is good. a lot of questions. Like, I I think there's been a lot of complaints about how our our parents thought the first two episodes were pretty slow. And I can see where they're coming from. So there's been a lot of talk about how this pacing is really slow. But, like, I am a big fan of how slowly things are getting revealed. You can tell the show is very planned out. But we'll talk about that in in our production section. Yeah. Uh, are we ready for the production section? No, I have okay. one more thing I want to talk about. Flashbacks. Oh, what did you think uh, of the flashbacks? I really did like them. They actually happened sooner in the show than I thought they were going to happen. For some reason, I thought they were going to start revealing Cassian's backstory kind of midway through. Okay. So I was a little surprised, but like pleasantly surprised. You brought this up with me and I had also noticed that the village is only children basically yeah and so i thought that was interesting like how did that happen and the poisonous gas could all the adults did they say that in the show that's my guess 
And okay. I, a lot of I've been listening. Obviously, I've been listening to a lot of other podcasts and YouTube videos about this show because I'm obsessed, and that's what a lot of people think. So I haven't done my homework as much as you. It's, uh, it's fine. <laughs> anyway, so that was very interesting, especially because that probably helped build part of Cassian's personality of survival. And I did. I I liked them. I thought they were well done. I don't really have much else to say about them. So you go. <laughs> flashbacks i don't i just because at first yeah at first i thought it was like a more like primitive like tribal society and i don't think it is anymore i think it's just kids that had to forge on their own because all their parents died and i just thought it was so well done the fact you can betray all of this emotion and you know exactly what's going on even though they weren't speaking any like earth language and they didn't have subtitles for it either yeah which i really i like i appreciate that and and obviously just the tie-in with um, at the very end of episode three of Cassian leaving his old life for Ferex with Marva and then the parallel with him leaving his life with Marva on Ferex for like something unknown is is just great those two things like he really has had very little agency over the biggest decisions in his life like he didn't choose to get taken off Canari and he didn't really choose to get taken off of Ferex like it just circumstance just happened to be that's what he had to do but he's just trying to get by He's trying to get by. He just happened to like murder these guys and it's this whole spiral. But like he never makes that decision to leave. Yeah, I totally agree. Actually, a line in my notes is he's had no agency in his life or control. So he makes that decision in Rogue One to go with Jin (laughs) to Scarif. It's all tying in. Unless he does something at the end of the show that we don't know about yet. Well, that too. Yeah. But no, I it makes me want to watch Rogue One again. Honestly. I watched Rogue One the night before Andor came out. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I because I was like, maybe I want to watch it and then go till um, midnight to watch the episodes. But I had work the next day. So <laughs> also, was it just me? I was I was tripping a little bit because I thought the voice on the ship was K2's voice. The red droid or like Luthen's ship? Luthen's ship. I did not pick that up at all. No idea. I, I feel like K2SO is going to come into the show at some point, but oh, I think it's going to be season two. Uh, I'm hoping we get to see him eventually, though. Oh, it, yeah. It's a droid, but... It's a he. Come on. <laughs> uh, droids have personalities, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think now it's just general discussion of the show's Production. book, how it feels. And the first thing I really want to say is how different this felt from the rest of Star Wars. Yes, and totally. I really like that. A big problem I have with a lot of like bigger franchises releasing new media is it feels like they're just pumping out new things for like fan service and also to try and live up to this glory of what came before it. Yeah. But Andor is not, it's not trying to be the original trilogy. It's not trying to be Star Wars Rebels. It's not trying to be any other like media. It's being its own thing that is heavily tied to these things, but it's not trying to live up to past stuff. Maybe the closest would be Rogue One just because it's so central to the story. But I appreciate that it's Star Wars that's not listening to like exactly what fans want. It feels like it's Tony Gilroy and the whole team is really doing what they want to do with this story. And just tying it into other things. And I'm here for that. Like, if we're going to get more media from these big franchises like Star Wars, that's what I want from it. Yes, I think that is a really, that's a really good point. I agree with that. I do think it's doing something different. Although most of the, I feel like a lot of the Star Wars shows that have come out recently have been trying to do something a little different. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, I think, yeah, the biggest ones, yeah, they're all, they're all pretty different. And I think I've been happy with most of them most not everyone but most (laughs) yeah and Um, there's definitely some more like i think right now like andor and kenobi are much further above in my personal ranking than like mandalorian is 
just but I think that's just because I like the time period and the characters more for those two I just really like the time period that both the Kenobi and the Andor show have are coming out in anything that's kind of related to either the prequels or the originals it's like yay yeah and we had so little media for what happened in between Revenge of the Sith and yeah I guess Rogue One and like A New Hope that whole thing like what is happening in the middle like this is the most important part like it's what ties the two um the first two trilogies together yeah and I guess some people would argue that why do we need to fill in the gap we can just use our imagination and I thought that way as well I I thought that well I think Andor is proving why but now, because all of these shows are coming out to fill in the gap, and I'm actually really enjoying it, yeah. I do like that they're trying to yeah. give us some context of what happened in between Red of the Sith and A New Hope. Yeah. Anyway, back to Andor. Oh, <laughs> tangent. Oh, it just, it looks so good. It feels like Star Wars, but it's still very unique in the sets. Like, Ferrex feels very much like a Star Wars town. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminded um, me of uh, Batu a little bit. Honestly, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. um, nothing, nothing wrong with that. Um, Which, for those who don't know, Batu is the Galaxy's Edge thing. The Galaxy's Edge, like planet, so in Disneyland yeah. and Disney World. I just, it just looks fantastic. The cinematography is. I'm not a film major, and I have no background in film, but just the shots look great, and the music as well. <laughs> oh my god, the music is. I can't think of like any of the melodies right now, but it it adds to the ambiance so well. Like it hits that tone of it's dark and it's desolate and it's kind of like this uncomfortable feeling. It just fits it so well. Yeah, gets, I said it's better. haunting and fairly unique for Star Wars is what I say in my notes. And I do like that a lot of Star Wars tries to add some humor, no matter what they're talking about or they're discussing to their show or yeah. their movie or whatever. And this one has not tried to do that I, I can't think of any there might be a bit of humor with like the droid what's his name b2 emo or something something i don't know i don't remember the, the red, red box one. droid there may have been a little with that but it wasn't it didn't feel like they were trying to bring light to the situation because it is a really dark situation yeah you can argue this is the darkest period in the galaxy yeah that we are we aware of <laughs> seen yeah i have nothing but praise for this show i'm incredibly impressed and it's it's that it's um it's the one that it kind of came out of nowhere. Like I wasn't anticipating yeah. it. Like kind of snuck under the Kenobi, radar. I was, everybody was like, oh my God, it's coming out. Like, I, and I, I know I was counting <laughs> down the days and stuff until Kenobi. Oh, we were counting down the days. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Andor just kind of snuck up on me and I am in love. I mean, it's just like nerd heaven right now for TV shows. Cause we have mm-hmm. Andor on Wednesdays, Lord of the Rings on Fridays and House of the Dragon on Sundays. So it, it's just great. Except that I can't binge watch them because they only release one episode at a time. That's good. It, it makes you do some work too. Some studying. Uh, <laughs> but I just, and I think I'm enjoying Andor the most, but obviously I have a big connection. I just love Star Wars, but yeah, I'm just, we I'm love s- Star Wars. We love Star Wars. <laughs> Obviously, we created a whole freaking podcast. <laughs> yeah. I, I this conversation is derailing. I really enjoyed what I saw of the Andor show. Maybe not as much at first, but then after sitting with it for a couple of days, I really have un- like yeah. begun, begun. Um, to under- yeah. begun, thank you, <laughs> begun to understand how good this show actually is and what it's 
hopefully trying to say and I'm very I am also impressed uh and I'm looking forward to oh yeah more episodes well I just because uh for all you listeners Maddie took how long how many days after it came out did you take to watch all of them okay so it came out on Wednesday and I didn't start it until the Saturday after I Nobody, like, our parents didn't watch until then either. And, like, I don't know anybody else that would watch this besides, like, our immediate family that I'm still talking to regularly. I wanted to talk about the show so bad that I was just telling everybody I met that I somewhat knew about it. Like, all of my roommates were so bored by me just being like, oh, my God, this happened, this happened. Like, I needed to talk about it so bad, but, like, I obviously didn't want to spoil anything. Yeah. So I would just, like, talk about, oh, my God, I just, ah. I just would like call, I'd text Maddie and be like, did you watch it yet? Did you watch it yet? I know, I know, I know. I was, I wish I'd seen it sooner so that we could have talked about it. But, you know, the other thing was happening in my life. <laughs> no, I totally get it. But I am over the moon about this show right now. I, yeah, like, I'm pretty I excited liked Kenobi. too. I thought Kenobi was great, but Andor had such a strong start. Like, it feels, Beyond just being like a good Star Wars show, I think it's just a good show. Yeah, I think I, I think as it is just a good show as well. However, it is so intertwined with Star Wars, you can't really separate it. I don't know. Yeah, I'd be very curious to see people that haven't seen Star Wars. Because there yeah. hasn't been a lot of, it's a pretty basic concept. Oh, there's an evil authoritarian government. Oh, these people are poor and they don't want to live under this government. Like, I feel like it's an easy concept, but I don't yeah. know. You know. I'd be curious to see how accessible it is to outside of the star wars phantom or anybody like casually interested in star wars but they made it for like fans without catering to fans and i love that i love it when people do that i'm not the biggest fan of fan service or when it feels like fan service i want there to be an actual reason to put something in a in a show uh and then hey if it pleases the fans that's great so i i guess so overall we both really enjoyed overall, it. 10 what is your rating out of like 10? oh out of 10 i'd say it has a lot of potential but i would probably only give it like an 8.5 out of 10 okay i think i'd give it a 9 i don't think i can't give it a full 10 just because a few of the episodes were like slightly slower yeah so yeah, like eight, just, there's not eight, enough out but right now my first impression is like a 9 out of 10 so yeah and for me more like an eight or an eight and a half yeah that's Uh, totally fine yeah (laughs) well i hope that all of our listeners enjoyed the and show and and watched it at their own pace as well Yeah, and if any of you guys have any thoughts on Andor or anything that you like, really want to share, um, just DM us on Instagram at Sister Sabers and Star Destroyers. We'd love to hear from you. Yes. All right. Thank you for listening to Sisters, Sabers, and Star Destroyers. Once again, I'm your host, Sam. And I'm your host, Maddie. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to follow us on Spotify and Instagram. Till next time, may the force be with you.